Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from an expert who manages $18 million per month in e-commerce ad spend on how to launch a new hardware product via Google advertising. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Jem Borrow to the show. Jem is a partner at Accelerated, one of Europe's leading direct-to-consumer advertising agencies for e-commerce. Jem has won many awards and has had seven products hit seven figures in sales in just the first 30 days of their campaigns. Today, Jem is going to share some valuable knowledge of her inventors, startups, and small manufacturers on the different types of Google advertising for a new hardware product, the structure and tools needed to launch your first campaign, and tips for maximizing the success and growth of your Google Ads campaigns to sell directly to end consumers. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Jem, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Well, excited to have you here talking about selling direct to customers on Google, which is something that is easier than people think, at least to get started. Obviously, there's a lot that goes in behind it, but it's another one of these channels for a hardware startup or for a new product that's launching to the market to sell direct to customers. And it's something that is not always thought about as a first sales channel avenue, but something that can be done right at home from your very own desk. So I wanted to talk to you about some of the best practices around this. You have a tremendous amount of experience in the space, but I'll let you share that. Give us a quick background of how you got to today and some of your big milestones in terms of selling hardware products direct to customers on Google. Yeah, definitely. So for those of you who maybe do not know me, my name is Jim Burrow, born and raised in Germany, actually emigrated to the UAE the last year in September, moved to Bali. So I'm living in Bali right now. And like some things that I've done, we've had like several product launches scaled from zero to a million seven times already within a month, which is like crazy. If you think about it right now, the ad spend that we're managing within our Google ads agency is around like 18 million euros used to be 20 million us but uh, <laughs> ever since the euro dropped it's more like 18 million us that we're managing right now awarded by the two comma award two comma club by click funnels by making 1 million with one funnel awarded by zipify by making 1 million in upsells with uh, an upsell funnel so yeah that's what i do a tremendous amount of experience so let's talk about google break it down How do you sell on Google? What is Google AdWords advertising and how does that apply to hardware startups trying to sell a first product via that channel directly to end customers and buyers to actually use that product? Yeah, it's a great question, Kevin. So generally speaking, when people think about advertising online, I think many times people are always overcomplicating it and, and you know, how like having worries about nothing and just like overcomplicating it. It doesn't have to be that way because of course, like if you think about social media and all these things are like, oh, I need a video and then I need a page and the setup might be super, super complicated, but it certainly is not complicated. So when we're talking about Google ads, it's like very, very simple. So let's say you want to buy shoes online. Where's the first place that you're going to look for on Google? You know, there are like different types of ads that you can see. Let's say you are in need of a dentist apartment and you don't have a dentist in the city that you're living in. Naturally, the first thing that you're going to do is look up dentists in my area or something on Google. And then you're going to get these ads where it says sponsored ads, whatever, like the first few. 
And these are search ads. So basically what happens with these search ads is that people are bidding on certain keywords. So basically the phrases and the queries that user puts in in Google and they're bidding on the keywords. So they are always showing up for that respective keyword. There's also ads for like shopping. So whenever you're looking for Nike shoes, for example, you're getting these picture ads. This is what a shopping ad is. We have YouTube ads. So these annoying five seconds in front of every video that you can't skip. You have display ads, display ads when people talk about, oh, I've talked about this and now it's haunted me or, oh, I've clicked on this website. Now I'm getting it over and over and over again, because this is mainly used for retargeting, which is basically you've had a first interaction somewhere on a website or a competitor's website or something. And now, you know, you see it over and over and over again, the frequency is super high. And then you also have discovery, which is basically if you're on your phone below the YouTube videos or on your desktop, basically on the side. So this is basically what Google ads is. And the beauty of Google ads is that as a consumer, it always makes things easier to find, whether it is a service or a product, but especially from a seller perspective and a business owner perspective, it's a great tool because at the end of the day, hopefully, you know, your customer avatar, you know, exactly who's buying your respective product. And then you can basically just show up in front of these people who are trying to purchase your product, your service that is going to help them solve something that they're struggling with or even make their life easier. That's amazing because one of the big keys of Google, first of all, is that there's a lot of different channels. And I love that you highlighted the different ones. There's the search ads that come up for services. There's product ads, which are actually very much emerging and very high tech. Google has really put a lot of effort into trying to compete with some of the other major players like Amazon or other the variety of places that you can buy product online. Google's really trying to put a conscious effort into actually competing in that. And of course, Amazon is actually one of their main subscribers to product advertising. So that in and itself is a big ticket item for hardware companies. And it's an emerging platform that's easier and easier to launch products on. Then you've got other things like display, which is intent-based display on websites you're looking at. If you're looking at a blog, talking about buying shoes online, there might be a little ad in the corner. All of these things come together to have intent-based advertising in front of people looking to buy a product, either yours or very similar to yours at the right time and at the right place. And with all of these channels, it gives a tremendous opportunity to somebody who's creating a new product, especially most of the listeners on the show are creating something innovative, something unique, something that's either solving a pain point or creating an opportunity for somebody. So if you can find on Google that avenue to get your ad in front of those people who have those certain types of intent, there's a very high probability that that person or that intent-based audience is going to convert into an actual sale. So Jem, let's get into it. How does that work? That's a great question. How, how does it work? The question really is like where people want to get started and what the easiest avenue is, because this is like what, what many people are, are mostly asking themselves. It really depends on the service of the hardware, the product that you have at the end of the day. If it might be something that is super new, no, no one has seen it before, right? You're in a super blue ocean. You probably want to target by just having keywords that are more targeted informational queries. It's not really a query where people would be looking for the exact product, but more like, you know, problems that they have and issues that they have and things that they are struggling with kind of like reverse engineering. Like this is my product. No one is looking for it. What is the avatar struggling with? And this is like how you can come up with all of these informational queries. And of course, like it could be also easier depending on the product that you have. But of course, like you really have to separate the way that you are targeting. So the way I personally structure my campaigns is I have one dedicated search campaign just for transactional keywords. And by transactional, what I mean is when people are really looking for the respective product or 
alternatives. Then we have a navigational campaign. A navigational campaign is pretty much where you have all of the competitors' brand names. So let's say you're not in a blue ocean, but you might be in a red ocean, or you're still in a blue ocean and you have people who are not selling the exact same thing, but something that still solves the same issue, but in a different way. So you put all of these competitors into, into the campaign and like all of the SKUs that they have, the names, the product types, basically, right? Because at the end of the day, this is what people are also looking for. And then, of course, we have another campaign, which is informational. So targeted towards these alternative ideas or issues that people are struggling with. This is basically how you can get set up and going. This is like why it's so incredibly powerful. And we've had this in the beginning. People always tend to overcomplicate things where it doesn't have to be really complicated, right? As long as you know who your avatar is. Is. And in my opinion, this should be a given if you're launching a product because launching a product, developing and everything, you know, like, of course, you're not developing something if you don't know what the end result of the product is going to be or what the issues it's going to solve, right? It kind of goes hand in hand with the product that you have and the research that you are trying to conduct here. I like the mention of avatar. Break that down a bit for somebody who's developing a new product. What is an avatar and how do they use that to then create the actual target keywords for their advertising campaign on Google? Avatar is, is really, really wide, right? We could pin it down to who is going to be the target market. First things first, you're trying to pin it down like top bottom. Something that I want to mention here is like a super interesting example from the dad of a friend of mine who's a headhunter. And the way he asks questions to prospects is he's not really trying to get to the underlying issue, but it's more like seeing the thought process that people have. So an example would be how many people in Japan are buying razors? And, you know, this is like where the entire thought process starts. Okay, how many people are living in Japan? Who is shaving? Is it only men? Is it women? Do people have razors that they can use multiple times? You know, can you have an upsell for that? Basically, just thinking about how many times people shave and hair growth is going to be different. So it's from simple thinking to more dedicated thinking. And it's the same thing with the avatar. It starts like very basic and then it goes down. Who's struggling with this? What are the ages? What about the population? Who do we want to target? What country are they living in? And then it goes down to things such as age. How old is the person? Then what job are they working? So it's kind of like thinking about not only gender and age, but also like hobbies, what the people do, what they're struggling with, how they spend their free time. The easiest way I like to think of an avatar is... Imagine your customer, visually imagine that customer, name them. A lot of companies will actually have a physical form of their, not necessarily ideal customer, but their most likely customer. And they're trying to actually figure out what does that person do? What's their sex? What's their age? What are they doing? Where are they living? What is their lifestyle habits, et cetera? And you can generally for most physical consumer products, especially if you have a niche invention or something that's solving a very specific pain point or creating a very specific opportunity, you could usually drill that down to a very specific type of person. That's your avatar. That's your customer. Now, obviously there's going to be different customers, but that's kind of a base point. And that allows you really easily to understand, okay, here is the person that I'm trying to target. Now, how do I create keywords to attract that very person to my product. And that comes into the next step. So first is avatar. Once we understand what the customer is, we have a very clearly defined picture of what our buyer is like. What is their intent? Now we try and match the keywords to it. So Jim, tactically speaking here, if we have no website, no Google AdWords account, anything like that, how do you set this stuff up so that somebody can actually create an ad for their product have somebody go through to a website and actually purchase a, a product from them. What are some of the tactical basics of it? Very, very good question. Because first of all, as you've already mentioned, you need to think about the status quo. So where are you at right now? 
and how does the entire workflow of Google ads work? So not only like workflow about like, how do I set up ads in a technical way, but like, what is the customer journey? So someone looks for the ad, they click the ad. If they click the ad, they're going to be sent to a website. You know, this is like the first requirement. You need a website. If you don't have a website, very simple to get one going. You can have simple HTML code with, with a Shopify buy button, for example, and integration. You can also just send them, if you're on Kickstarter, you can also send them to Kickstarter, super simple. So you don't have to make a website, put in the tracking code, super simple. Basically all of the information that, let's go with the example of Kickstarter actually. So whenever you have people who are going to your Kickstarter, they know about your product, they know about the vision, they know about the money you're trying to raise, they know about what exactly they're gonna get. If it's like a greeting card for a dollar, you know, or like a, a mention for five or like an actual product for 50 or whatever the price point might be. This is pretty much the entire customer journey if we're talking about Kickstarter. So they click the ad, they go to your Kickstarter, and then they're able to see all of the information. Let's say you don't have a Kickstarter. What you can just do is simulate something like a Kickstarter. There are like many, many websites that you can emulate here. The easiest way to do it is probably just look at your competitors and see what they're doing. If you don't know what the website of your competitor is, the easiest thing, and this goes like a bit more into the technical side of things is, and it's not hard because we can use tools. A tool that I really love to use is SEMrush because what SEMrush allows us to do is we can just put in hypothetical keywords. I could just type in the keyword and then it's going to give me advertisers who are bidding on that respective keyword. And what this allows me to do is of course, see their website and then like get some more insights on how much they're spending, what the traffic looks like, how many people are looking for the keyword in a month. And not all of this data is 100% accurate, but what you're trying to do is to see what the websites of the competitors look like. And I'm not saying that you should copy this one-to-one, -one, but it's just for you to get a feeling and understanding of how they're communicating all of their USPs, the value propositions and everything, and what they're offering, the price points. This is like basically how you can conduct this entire competitor research and, and market research with SEMrush. Once you have that set up, things you can use to set up a website. If you just want to set up a super, super basic website, Shopify, of course, you can do anything. If, if you're everything of you is hosted on, on Webflow, go with Webflow. If it's on WordPress, go with WordPress. Once you've set up your website, you know, you need to implement the tracking code, but there are also like apps they can install, you know, it takes you five minutes, boom. You have the tracking code set up because if you're bidding on keywords and everything, you need to know what keyword actually brought the sale. It's impossible to increase the budget and everything if you do not know where the actual purchases are coming from. Of course, like with the recent data policy private changes from Apple and iOS back in May 2021, for those of you who do not know, there's been a change that Apple basically updated iOS and pretty much removed a lot of the tracking options. So something that I like to use for the tracking that goes hand in hand with Shopify is a tool called Triple Whale, which just allows you to do the attribution better. And attribution is the purchases being attributed to their respective campaigns or keywords or whatever it is. This is basically the entire workflow, like starting from website and, and everything. To break it down, first and foremost, you have to have some sort of a website or a platform or an area where somebody can actually look at your product, see what it does and click the purchase button. So that's essentially your purchase asset your website, whatever else. Relatively easy to set up. You can hire an agency to do that, or you can set it up on many platforms that are out there. But you need somewhere to land to showcase your product, essentially your store online, and have somebody buy it. Next step is you have to obviously set up your campaign, figure out what your intent is based on the original avatar, and get people actually coming to that site. And I love that you mentioned Gem too, something that a first-time Google AdWords advertiser might not think about, but how important tracking is. Everything must be tracked because what you want to do over time is figure out what is working, 
what is not working. And I think that makes it very simple for somebody to start a Google campaign because you don't need to perfect it out of the gate. You just need to get the basic information out there. Think about the basic intent-based keywords and then start the campaign. From there, you can actually analyze and review what's happening in real time based on who's actually purchasing it, based on the intent that you theorized would attract that potential customer. So you start small, like everything, start with your MVP and work your way up. So Jen, let's jump over to that side of setting up an actual Google campaign. What is kind of the easier starter campaign if you just wanted to get the ball rolling? Let's assume you have your website, you've got a neat little explainer on it that tells the person what the product is and has a purchase button. Now they want to actually advertise on Google. What's the easiest way to set it up? And what of the various channels that we talked about before, what do you think is the easiest one to get started on to just start test advertising to see what some of those keyword intents are and how well they're actually tracking? Great question. So let's say everything is set up. With Google, there's a lot of reverse engineering and reverse thinking and just like connecting the dots. So like, this is why I love it so much. Overall, explain it to the audience. What is the starting step if I just want to sell my widget? Let's look at one of Macro Design's past products, uh, underwater fishing camera. What campaign would you set up to advertise to that group on Google? And how do you actually go about setting it up to drive those folks over to the landing page, the website, the Kickstarter campaign, or whatever actual digital asset you use to try and sell and allow a customer to purchase that product? We know that people are going to be looking for underwater fishing camera. Take the keyword, put it in SEMrush, or put in the keyword tool of, of Google, and then you're going to get recommendations. So you're not only stuck with underwater fishing camera, but you're going to see like other different keywords that are similar, but not the same. It's the same, but it's not the same. Basically, what you're going to do, create a campaign, choose manual CPC. So basically, a bidding strategy where it says, I want to bid X amount per click. To make it very simple, you want to put a starting bid of 70 cents. You want to use the keywords that you have underwater fishing camera. And within a campaign, there's something called an ad group. And within an ad group, you have two things, keywords and ads. Keywords are the words, so the keywords that we've talked about, underwater fishing camera. And then you need to start to write your ad. So this is where you can really do the objection handling and the selling and, and showing all the USPs and everything. So you can be like, this is the number one underwater fishing camera. This uh, helps you to see underwater. This helps you to take pictures underwater. It's better than, than XYZ because ABC, you know, like money back guarantee, 24 seven customer support, basically all of that stuff, everything that is differentiating you from your competitors. You can do this in the headline. Then you can also explain the product within the description. So you can talk about your product, you know, again, USPs and everything. And then you just want to launch the campaign at what, $50 a day, $100 a day, and then just let it spend. The so whole idea there is you want to put these things out there, try your initial theories, essentially. And these are your ideas. Like, what are those keywords? The easiest one is just, we'll describe your product. That's the starting theory, right? As opposed to thinking of all these different intent-based audiences and supplementary industries, et cetera, just start with the core. What is your product? What does it do? Use those keywords and then write ads that are similar to those keywords. And ideally, your landing page, your website, your crowdfunding campaign, your Shopify, whatever it is that you're using to actually display your product, ideally, that somewhat matches the ads that you're describing. And therefore, somebody who has the intent to buy an underwater fishing camera clicks on that ad because they saw it that you are selling exactly that. They land on a page selling exactly that thing. And then you've got all these great things you tell them about it. And at the end, somewhere, 
somewhere or somewhere in that page, they hit the button that says purchase now and they actually whip out their credit card. And this is where the whole system begins. And it could be that simple to start. And through this, you can start to analyze based on what Jen was talking about in terms of tracking. You can start to track to see of the various keyword combinations that you used and the various advertising messages that you used, possibly even the various landing pages on your website that you tried, which ones of those are actually converting at the highest ratio, which is for every dollar of advertising you spend, what's your return on ad spend? So did that make you $5, $10, or maybe no dollars? And you can start to analyze, okay, you're going to cut out the campaigns that aren't making money. And then you can start to increase the campaigns that are making money. In conjunction, you can start adding new campaigns in to test against the old ones. And that essentially is the basics of digital advertising altogether, but it's especially effective on Google because so much of this could be tracked through and so much buyer intent is happening directly on the Google platform. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> so Jem, let's jump into some of the details about this. You mentioned the tool. I love SEMrush. That helps you put in your keywords. So let's use the underwater fishing camera example. And it'll actually show you not just how much activity is happening with that keyword, but it'll show you alternative keywords, how competitive they are, and a bunch of other data sets that allow you to start to decide how to become more efficient with your ad spend. Are there any other tips or tricks uh, that you find are effective for not just launching the campaign, but launching and then scaling and capturing more audience? Yeah, definitely. So we've talked about tracking before, and whether it is personal finance or whatever, doing your books, bookkeeping, anything, you always need to make sure that you have an outlook on your KPIs, right? You can't be profitable if you're not measuring. And it's the same with Google and everything with life. You can't sleep good if you're not tracking your sleep. You know, you can say, okay, I've slept eight hours, but like, how good did he actually sleep? You know, quantifying, qualifying. And same thing with Google. You should always make sure that you should set some certain KPIs and rules in order to kill respective keywords, right? Yeah, and KPIs, for those who don't know, it's key performance indicators. Maybe first things first, there's something within Google Ads which is called quality score. Quality score consists of three different things. First of all, we have ad relevance. So ad relevance is how much does the ad query relate to the user's intent? So if you bid on underwater fishing camera and you send them to a landing page which has an underwater fishing camera, good ad relevance. If you're bidding on underwater camera and you're sending them to a dentist website, bad ad relevance. Basic example. You also have landing page experience. So is the user finding everything on their website that they're trying to find? How about the bounce rate? Like how long are they staying on the website? Are they clicking through the website? How many pages on average does a visitor go through? What about the loading speed and everything? And then we also have expected click-through rate. So expected CTR means based on the copy, so the headlines and the descriptions and the ads that you're writing on Google, Google basically says good, bad. If it's good, the copy is deemed to be good, then you're getting a good expected CTR. If it's a bad copy, you're gonna you're gonna be getting a bad expected CTR. All of these three factors are gonna go into something which is called quality score. And then the quality score is multiplied with your CPC or the bid that you have, which at the end gives you an ad rank. So let's say you have a quality score of 10, Kevin, you're bidding 10 cents. I have a quality score of five and I'm bidding 20. Even though my bid is almost double, you're still gonna rank above me because your quality score is higher and your ad rank is gonna be higher at the end of the day. Taking that into account, you should always set rules. So let's say just because the KPIs are bad, so the cost per conversion, so the cost per sale that you have, 
you know, always, always take a look at what other things are going on. So take a look at your quality score, take a look at the amount that you have spent, take a look at the CTR, take a look at all these things, right? Take a look at your conversion rate. Because if a keyword might not work, it might not be because of the Google ads. It might just be because of your landing page, that it's not selling enough, that there's something broken. You don't have the respective payment processor. Maybe you're not offering PayPal or Afterpay or whatever it is. Always try to look at the bigger picture. This is like the biggest tip that I can give. Always look at the bigger picture and try and troubleshoot if there is any, any issues as best as you can. Look at everything else that is going on. Don't only look straight, but also look left and right. Because even if it doesn't have to do anything with Google ads, it might, you know, have an impact on Google ads just because of the nature of the business. Just because you're bidding on a keyword, it doesn't mean that people are going to buy. You know, the entire funnel has to be super, super good. And this is why I recommend starting off with all of these hot things. It's kind of like you can imagine a funnel that you have. And the basic media buying funnel is you have top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. And it's kind of like getting from cold, warm to hot. Now you twist the funnel around and it starts with bottom, middle, top of funnel. So you should try and gather the obvious queries, the obvious searches that the users have, and then start and going to the things that might be a bit more difficult. Because that way you can harvest all of these very, very obvious keywords and make sales as soon as possible. I love that you mentioned that because that is the whole concept of low-hanging fruit. And what people don't realize is when you have a global market, a massive, almost 8 billion people... There's a lot of people that are going to be looking for a very specific keyword intent, the very thing exactly to the T that you are selling. That's the easiest place to start because, of course, your quality is going to be the highest. The conversion rate is going to be the highest because as somebody's typing in that very specific, that very niche thing, your exact match is coming up. And of course, that yields generally to a better click-through rate, which yields to a better conversion rate on your website. If you're describing it well and there's no problems on your site, like Jim mentioned, everything goes through somewhat seamlessly. That is the easiest place to start. And really, you don't need to be migrating down to middle, even middle funnel until you truly feel like you've saturated that top of funnel, which arguably takes a long time for a lot of companies because of how big the internet is. It's the easiest, cheapest advertising that you're going to have. But of course, all of this could be tested against real data, which is the beauty of Google AdWords. It's so different than traditional marketing, which used to be throw an ad on the radio and hope it works. It's kind of hard to tell whether or not the buyers are coming from the radio or some other source. You try and somehow peg it with maybe a mention on there that gives you a coupon so you can somewhat track it, but it's very loose. Here, it's extremely accurate. You know precisely who is converting and where they converted from. So it allows you to take all these theories that you have, practice them, and then tweak and refine them. The magic of all this at the end of the day is if you can find a set of keywords and an advertising campaign and a landing page, those three key combinations, if you can find a set of three of those that works, that's really creating profit on every dollar that you put into it, $10 in revenue is coming out. Once you crack that, you can simply scale and grow that to quite a level until you hit that saturation point. So it's a really magical moment for a company to try these things, find that return on ad spend, and then just start selling on the internet more and more and more simply by the click of a button to expand that campaign that you've tested. Definitely. All right. What else would you like to jump into before I let you go as we're coming to the, the top of the hour here? We can talk about some more advanced stuff for the viewers, listeners that might have some experience with Google Ads. So it's going to get a bit nerdy. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, jump into a few of those actionable tips and then we'll let you go soon after that. A few things that have happened in the past 
few months is that Google is always steering towards like more steering towards more machine learning, AI and everything, right? Why? Because at the end of the day, Google wants to make as much money as possible and they want to enable everyone to make advertising as easy as possible. Because this is like the core business of Google. They're making their money with ads being served. Something that has happened because of that is smart display campaigns have been removed. Smart shopping campaigns have been removed. A new campaign type in January has been introduced, which is called Performance Max. Performance Max is like pretty much everything combined. So search shopping, display discovery, YouTube, but just in one campaign type where you just have to provide all of the assets. You, you let us spend some data and either it works or it doesn't. Google is always getting better and better and better at these things, I have to say. And in the beginning, I, I was a bit scared because... I'm the type of guy who's like very, very nerdy and who's looking at the data and who loves to do as many things as manual as, you know, you can, whether it is for ego or, or just safety, you know, whatever you want to call it. But Google is actually doing a great job at that, not only with performance max, but also with the keyword match types. There is another keyword match type, which is called or which was called broad match modified. It's like the plus for some of you who might not know the match type. And what Google does is they removed it and they're basically telling people that they should use broad match. So basically broad match is what everyone hates because they're so scared of it because it can burn so much money. And like, there are so many unrelated queries that, you, that, that, that basically could come up if you're using broad match, right? Extreme example, broad match underwater camera, you might be served for a query such as mermaid's tail to maybe similar things because it's both in the ocean, but it's like, okay, does it really have anything to do with each other? And actually Google is getting very, very, very good at that. Not only with broad match, but also with uh, smart bidding. So machine learning. So target CPA, target ROAS, maximized conversions, because they're investing a lot, a lot of money to just make these features better. Another tip that I can give, don't be afraid to try and use these tools, but be encouraged to use them. Because if you're going to, if you're going to be able to nail them and going to be super good at them, you definitely have a have a competitive advantage because barely anyone that I know besides from all of the geeks, they're using broad match. However, that doesn't mean you should create a campaign with like thousands of dollars and just start spending, get educated, you know, start reading about that a bit, see how it actually works and then try and dip your toes really, really slow. Start with a super low budget and then just see what happens. Go very heavy with a negative keyword. So basically things that you do not want to show up for, and then you're going to be able to see what happens. I've seen it personally on, on our own accounts that we're managing. And the results are amazing, whether it is broad match or, or target ROAS or maximize conversions. It's crazy. So Jim, if somebody wants to offload a lot of the work of managing and scaling these campaigns, uh, explain what your agency does and how someone can get in touch. Definitely. So as we've already mentioned at the beginning, I am running a Google Ads agency. Right now we're spending 18 million euros dollars a month, which is like quite a lot of money for mainly e-commerce businesses, which hardware also counts to. Basically what we're doing is a done for you service. So we're taking care of all of the work and we're providing you with detailed reports. We're telling you our action plan, what we're doing, the results, reporting, pretty much everything, right? So you're giving us access to the, to the account and we're doing everything, whether it is research for, for the keywords, market, competitor, writing the ads, writing the copy, doing the conversion pixel, so the tracking, doing the reporting, doing the scaling, the launching, everything. So done for you service, you don't have to worry about anything and you're just giving us 
access. Yeah, that's it. Jeb, much appreciated for your words of wisdom today. And thanks again. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Pleasure. Right on. Take care then. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the original and leading firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product business clients. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.